0: <coughs> namotasa vagoa to rahato sama sambuddhasa Namotasa vagoa to rahato sama sambuddhasa Namotasa vagoa to rahato sama sambuddhasa Uddang damang This is the from the middle length sayings, this is the second sutta, sutta two, or a section of it. This one's called Sabasawa Sutta. Mm. <coughs> mm. Thus have I heard, on one occasion the Blessed One was living at Sawati in Jeta's Grove and out of Indika's Park. There he addressed the Bhikkhus thus. Bhikkhus, Venerable Sir, they replied, the Blessed One said this. Bhikkhus, I shall teach you a discourse on the restraint of all the taints. Listen and attend closely to what I shall say. Yes, Venerable Sir, the Bhikkhus replied, the Blessed One Said this. Because I say that the destruction of the taints is for one who knows and sees, not for one who does not know and see. Who knows and sees what? Wise attention and unwise attention. When one who attends unwisely, unarisen taints arise and arisen taints increase. When one attends wisely, unarisen taints do not arise, and arisen taints are abandoned. Because there are taints that should be abandoned by seeing, there are taints that should be abandoned by restraining, there are taints that should be abandoned by using, there are taints that should be abandoned by enduring, there are taints that should be abandoned by avoiding, there are taints that should be abandoned by removing there are taints that should be abandoned by developing. What taints because should be abandoned by seeing? Here because an ordinary person who has no regard for noble ones and unskilled and disciplined in the Dhamma, no regard for true people is unskilled and disciplined in the Dhamma, not, does not understand what things are fit for attention and what things are unfit for attention. What the things unfit for attention these are things such as when one attends to them, the unarisen taint of sense desire arises and the arisen taint of sense desire increases the unarisen taint of being arises and the unarisen the arisen taint of being increases the unarisen taint of ignorance arises and the arisen taint of ignorance increases these are things unfit for attention the one attends to This is how one attends unwisely. Was I in the past? Was I not in the past? What was I in the past? How was I in the past? Having been what, what did I become in the past? Shall I be in the future? Shall I not be in the future? What shall I be in the future? How shall I be in the future? Having been what, what shall I become in the future? Or else one is inwardly perplexed about the present saying, Am I? Am I not? What am I? How am I? Where's this being come from? Where will it go? When one attends unwisely in this way, one of six views arises. The view, self exists for me, arises as true and established. Or the view, no self exists for me, arises as true and established. Or the view, I perceive self with self, arises as true and established. Or the view, I perceive not self with self, arises. Or the view, I perceive self with not self, arises. Or whilst one has some such view as, it is this self of mine that speaks and feels and experiences here and there the result of good and bad actions. But this self of mine is permanent, everlasting, eternal, not subject to change. This speculative view, bhikkhus, is called the thicket of views, the wilderness of views, the contortion of views, the vacillation of views, the fetter of views. Fettered by the fetter of views, the untaught ordinary person is not freed from birth, aging, and death. Sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair, not freed from suffering. A well-taught noble disciple who has regard for noble ones and is skilled and disciplined in their Dhamma, etc. What are the things unfit for attention he does not attend to? There are things such that when he attends to them, the unarisen taint of sense desire arises in him. Mm. These are things unfit for attention. And what are things fit for attention that he attends to? There are things such as when he attends to them, the unarisen taint of sense desire, and the unarisen taint of being, and the arisen taint of ignorance um, is abandoned. This is how one attends wisely, This is suffering. This is the origin of suffering. This is the ceasing of suffering. This is the way leading to the ceasing of suffering. When one attends wisely in this way, three fetters are abandoned. Personality view, doubt, and adherence to rules and observances. These are called the taints that should be abandoned by seeing. So uh, let's still look at that, some of those terms here. The word asawa, taint, is one translate. translated in this, let's use this translation. Um, asawa literally is, is refers to something leaking out or leaking in. It seemed to have been some sort of disease that infected trees. So there, something kind of oozed out of the bark of the tree or some disease got in and Cause the, the the skin the, to leak, so it started to break break open and kind of a disease of some kind. This is the origin of the word. Sawa is to to flow. Asawa could be either flowing out or flowing in, and so he's called it taints because they are certainly their effect is to particularly bias and angle the mind. But more directly, I. Influx, outflux, I've used the term leakage. So it drains out. Mm. It's like a swampy draining out. Mm. Leakage, the mind, a citta leaks its juices, its awareness, its intelligence into all kinds of crazy labyrinths. Mm. And so when we contemplate the dependent origination, and you come start with the term ignorance well this is uh, this is synonymous with its asawa so ignorance seems to be a thing it's actually a dynamic so as as this confusion as this wrong alignment there's this disorientation which seems like an orientation because one's got used to it, <laughs> as, it as it it's constantly enacted <laughs> That's how it's kept going. So it's not like something that happened years ago and now you're stuck in this. No, it's constantly acting. And so the theme is, you know, every time you cut that action, every time you stop that action, ignorance is weakened, the current is weakened. Every time you stop the action, in any, any area of this sequence of dependent arising, anywhere where you are clear, um, then you break or you lessen, or you weaken this web of suffering. So when one considers dependent origination, you should not consider it sequentially, like it's all, in, it's all interwoven. It's not like there was ignorance and now there's this. It's ignorance is the thing you, that, that's, that's where you can, that's the most all-pervasive quality that runs through all of it. So that's the foundation of the structure. It's more like a structure analysis. The foundation of that whole structure of suffering is just this ignorance. Isn't that nice? It's only one thing, <laughs> uh, and this is. But then sankara is the dynamic of that. So is that occlusion, that that not seeing, or that seeing things wrongly, that this that disorientation, which seems like an orientation, is in is made dynamic, the dynamic that arises from that is carried through this dynamic process of Sankara. So that's the that's the energy that carries that that ignorance through this form, through consciousness, through contact, through the sense spaces. And as it comes through the sense spaces, it triggers craving. Yeah. So as soon as it starts to form a solid entity, separate from what's around, then it's setting up the basis for i want i don't want i'm in here that's out there that's going to do something to me it could be good it sets up that basis sooner or later there must be that kind of energy happening so it it sets up a structure uh, for for craving to to find a base there can't be craving if there's nobody there to gain anything can there Craving always sets up the idea, I will get, I will be. Well, if there isn't a solid I, there's no getting or being, is there? (laughs) So if if that structure isn't enacted, then craving is, is severely dislodged because it doesn't have a basis on which to acquire anything or a basis which to defend. That's the structure of it. Now, of course, this is very deeply ingrained so maybe we don't start there but you just bear that in mind uh, because every time that this is again you know something one is so familiar with every time that sense of self selfhood structure of self is seen as a dynamic not necessarily eradicated but seen as a dynamic uh, and the, the, in the dynamic there's some possibility to shift and moderate it and challenge it and change it and Cause bits of it that you don't need to recede, you know, you, you, you're more pliable, mm-hmm. and in that increasing flexibility, it can even be occasions when the, that flexing means that the whole thing doesn't have to arise. Mm-hmm. So, self as a kind of a construction is really what's being um, presented. So here, he does repudiate the view there is no self. Self does not exist for me. You know, which is g- crazy, actually. How what's the me that self doesn't exist for? You know. So there isn't a permanent structure to be abolished. There's a dynamic that could be moderated, turned down, softened. In fact, rested. You know, completely rested. nirodha, ceasing, uh, mm. or could at least be aroused around skillful potencies but skillful engagement mm-hmm. so we're looking at the sankara is the, is the voltage the dynamic that carries this, this message and generates uh, 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 um, an entity that seems lasting got a history to it it has got a future future to it and you know even in a kind of just a considered review what is that that's a memory now. That's a hope, that's an anticipation, that's an obsession, that's a habit, that's an intention, that's an aspiration, yeah? That's goodwill, that's confusion. It's just factors, isn't it? Mm. So very much, you know, coming into the present and seeing what is the arising of this. Mm. Now the asawa are are The sankharas that are encoded with ignorance. So, very often, you know, when we're dealing with ignorance as a dynamic force, then we're actually referring to particular uh, core programs that ignorance presents, and the asava does presents them. And these are uh, th- sometimes seen as three, sometimes as four. Mm-hmm. The asava are of sensuality, that is, it. it It very much orients towards a sensory description as being reality, right? Sight, sounds, uh, textures, that's the real thing. It orients towards that. It keeps coming back to that. Within that mode, there's got to be birth, aging, and death. Mm. Right. That's the nature of that that representation. We all see it, we all know it, we don't want to know it, but it, it's, it's the way it is. Hmm? Within that structure of that reality or that apparent reality, there must be a sense of separation from the sensed, therefore wanting it, not wanting it, worrying about it, uh, owning it, not having enough of it. It's gotta be accompanied by some kind of needful um, response. Mm. So this asa, this sense, sense. mm, mm. And just to bear in mind, you know, hovering around the potential if we, what we're trying to cultivate with our our awareness is a quality of presence that is not limited to time, place, sense contact. Certainly you can be aware of them, but it is gradually and increasingly liberating itself or discerning itself as distinct from sight, sound, touch, mm. particularly distinct from thought, the most dominant sense contact. The mm. One which fabricates constantly sense data that are not even here, within the range of the external senses, right? Fantasy, imagination. So mm. the one you can't switch off, the mind. So we're trying to find or tune to an, an intelligence that is prior to that construction sensory construction, including the thinking mind. And there is that, otherwise it wouldn't be taught, it wouldn't be possible, there can be that. The fact that one can even get some reference to a thought, thought process, to a mental process means, how could you refer to it if you're in it? There must be something that at least steps back from that at least is able to get in perspective and that's that's that tiny little crack in in the weave that you start to you know bear in mind and nudge into and widen mm, to the sphere of disengagement dispassion and so forth mm, which you'll refer to so sensuality this this construction through um, you know, or of a a reality that's, uh, that's, that's bounded by and limited by uh, all the, that which arises in the sensory realm. Mm. Birth, aging, death, separation, loss, gaining, losing, desiring, wanting, not wanting. Right. And the thinking mind, kind of orienting around that, doing incredible gymnastics to try to take the sting out of that message. <laughs> Mm. So this is one of them. This f- voltage, and the second one, uh, and so on. Uh, well, the first one actually is ignorance itself. Just the continual uh, avoidance of getting in touch with experiences as it really is, as it's really happening in the here and now. This, uh, this ongoing pressure to avoid, to not be able to, to to not come to terms with meeting what's arising in the here and now, that's ignorance. So by and large, the uninstructed person will be referring to the future, the past, other people, what should be, what could be, um, what they think they are, what they think they're not, what they think other people are or not, as is described, not to what is arising, Mm. it's contact. Painful feeling, pleasant feeling, mental agitation arising. Mm. Ignorance doesn't keeps dismissing that. It's, it's me, her, him, my past, my cousin, my dog, my this, my that. Mm-hmm. So, mm, it's asawa, asawa of sensuality, asawa of becoming. Another very powerful one. In fact, these all conjoin. Becoming is seeking a unity. Uh, Sometimes here, you use the word being. It's also translated as becoming. It's also translated as existence. (laughs) People have struggled (laughs) with words, clearly. Mm. So it's that which, generates a unity and tries to carry that unity into the future, or it projects a unity in the part, I was this, I am this, I will be this. She is that, they are that, they will be this, he was that, Mm. he is that, he always will be, that's the way she is. That creates a unity out of what is more closely examined as diverse factors. Mm. This is the unskillful, the skillful, the beautiful, the distorted, the mood, the sensation, the pressure, the agitation, the love, the compassion. It's just factors cascading, mm. becoming, keeps kind of sticking that into a unity. And there's a thirst to find that mm. It's a thirst, not even self-generated, really. It's a thirst of our human species and a social, social-cultural thing, you know, particularly strong in the, in the myth of the individual, to be a person, to be, mm, have it all together and the promise that one could be such a person, got it all together, who's on top. Um. Mm. Dreadful things that that does. Performance, uh, which, and it's not that you, you know, one is seduced into this because you're presented constantly with images not people but images Uh, images that say they're people have got it all together they're not people they're images Uh, this person is the famous the successful the intelligent the beautiful Uh, it's an image not a person it's a it's clothing it's not a person um, but you realise in this generation, you know, most of the people you meet or see on a screen, <laughs> or on a, a read about, or not, perhaps I don't know, but a lot of that's there. They're images. They're not people. You must realise this. And you know, to a certain extent, you do get to, that does get revealed when you know the famous, the glamorous, the wonderful gets revealed as somebody's got a drug problem or abuses, or, you know, there's a breakdown. Suddenly the, you know, the image, and then you oh, then everybody attacks them. (laughs) Because you were supposed to be an image. Uh, That presents me with the idea of I could be something. And so, you know, don't tell the truth. Because the, game, the game's over, isn't it? That becoming thing. And what is this binding? Binding things together is the promise of becoming. We might, and for an uninstructed person with no other resource, then to lose that is really very, very confusing. Loss, despair. One might not be, become, anything. Boy, you know, trash, failed. Mm. So this is a very powerful asava, and it's fed upon, encouraged, and nourished by associating with, or not associating with good people. <laughs> people who aren't people, who aren't being, being, becoming something, becoming images, or interested in becoming an image. So this becoming and the uh, other asava, which is described in some detail here is the asava of ditti of views. The way one mind leaks out, rushes out, floods out, um, sweeps out into forming an opinion, a view. Mm. Um, I am this, they are that. If this is right, that's wrong. If this is better, that's worse. He's this, I'm that. These are the good guys, the bad guys. This is truth, this is not truth. This is God, this is the devil. This is, you know, the right system, the wrong system. Just, you know, hear something and start forming an opinion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> see something, start forming an opinion. Um, somebody says something. Start forming an opinion. Uh, so much so there isn't even a start. It's just it's just poised. It's quite like, an automatic. Uh, and actually, this one is, is the easiest one to to um, shift. So every time one does able to get a bit of a handle on Asava and just see it as it is and apprehend it and slow it down or break it then wonderful because every time you cut any tiny little link in this whole process the whole thing begins to weaken rather than strengthen and that's that's the progressive beauty of dhamma mm. so just even you know, and what is it that causes one to break that one recognizes this opinion however true, however convincing. This is stressful. This is causing me stress. (laughs) You know, my opinion about people being this or the other isn't changing them, but it's causing me stress. (laughs) At this moment, just on that. And I'm starting to get quite, quite tight about all that. Yeah. And as, as I tighten up into that, I get a little bit unpleasant actually, intolerant, um, unable to see the other person's perspective, unable to let them be the way they are, I'm able to let myself be the way I am forming an opinion about myself, you know, unable to let that, okay, that wasn't so good. So, learn, change, you know. So it's not that one can't measure or assess, but just jumping to these, this opinionatedness, views, um, which can turn into whole dogmas, can't they? Religions, ideologies, political dogmas. This thing becomes not just a becomes a whole entrenchment of a view about national views, nationalistic views, political views. And when you listen to other, of course one's own views are okay. (laughs) You know, whatever yours are, you you listen to people who strongly, other people's views, you think, oh yeah, it's kind of pretty wacky. Why are they so entrenched in that? And you get to see, because it gives a certain security. Fundamentalism, for example, gives an immense, or offers immense security. Simple black, white, good guys, bad guys. Don't have to think about it any more than that. And once that is established in bad guys, wrong, other, doesn't matter. They're other. What you do to them doesn't really matter, because you're good. Um, so that simple, very simplistic analysis, yeah. Mutuality is lost. And then the increasing isolation and entrenchedness and defensiveness and potential for bitterness, cynicism, dismissiveness, stupid people because they don't speak my language, ignorant people because they don't follow my cultural norms, you know, scruffy people because they don't dress like I do, you know. (laughs) suspicious oh, like, <laughs> they have this uh, saying I think they re- hear it recited in airports or sometimes in uh, public places or even on signs. If you see any suspicious looking people <laughs> I'm thinking) uh, <laughs> <laughs> Report them to the <laughs> I't think' suspicious looking people <laughs> you know that you get a feeling of the, just the constant fear in the environment, who's who's a suspicious person? A suspicious person is someone who I project my fear onto. (laughs) Right? And you know what happens with that, you know? He had his hands in his pockets, I had to shoot him, because he might have been carrying a gun. It's yes, acting suspiciously. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, these things can have very tragic consequences. Opinionatedness is not a rational process. It's an emotional. That's what I mean. I don't mean the ability to consider assessment. I mean that emotional process of opinionatedness, which acts as a positioner. We can't handle mutuality, we can't handle something that contradicts my norms. And I think it, this can only lead to division, narrowness, whatever. Can I you know widen a bit? And form instead qualities of associated with goodwill. Mm. Uh, holistic, because this goodwill is not me sending goodwill to you. It's it's the atmosphere of goodwill, rather than the atmosphere of fear and judgment, and that could include aspects of my mind, aspects of my behaviour, aspects of my body, aspects of my meditation practice, just to saturate the whole field with. Here will be no abuse no opinionatedness no jumping to conclusions no narrowness of space no narrowing mm. then this must surely diminish that asawa and how is this because one sees the alternative is suffering we don't know yeah we don't know that uh, releasing a little bit will generate happiness at first it seems like this is generating insecurity because even though I felt bad, at least I knew who I was, you know, there's some sense of opinionatedness gives one a fixed position. And um, loosening up, you just feel not quite so fixed and not so stabilized, you yeah. mm. So you don't know, but you just begin to get more and more clearer. I'd sooner have that than this because this is suffering, this is stressing. And just even to assess that and to deepen into that, that's the process. Here he's called it careful attention. Uh, I think considered attention, wise attention, deep attention. How significant. That is because of association with people who do not go into judgment, reaction, let you down, despise you, tell you how you should be and so forth. Uh, Because of association with such beings, one gets the sense what the true Dhamma really is, one's faith is arisen, and therefore this is the basis for careful attention. It starts to be modeled, and you're picking it up both from your own assessments, but also from the field of wise beings who are very much, hearing modeling and responding to one in such a way so it does start to be become changed Mm. now what is this careful attention Mm. it starts the faith which is we say here the ability to suspend fixed positions Uh you know Faith means there's a certain openness, trust. Suspend the fixed position, suspend the story. Suspend anywhere you can. Suspend the fixed statements. So just suspending, not abolishing, but just saying, maybe so. Maybe so. Okay, let's not take issue with my thinking and my analysis at this moment. Just Maybe so. And so what I want to do is, is step just a tad back to get the whole experience of what that feels like. That particular, you know, uh, line of thought, for example. That particular analysis. What that feels like to be with that. To have that happen. To have that happening. So there's a movement from, you know, engaging with the topic to a more holistic sense. The whole sense. You yeah. And it's pretty quick because when it comes to that you experience the train of thought as driving pushing on and you can quite readily you you get the sense of well this is takes some energy and it's associated with desperation with rushing on with trying to get it right with feeling nervy with feeling ungrounded with trying to you know That is stress. And that following stress can't take you out of stress. It can only, because it doesn't know, does it? The stressed position, following it will only give it more data, more ground to move on. So the asa of becoming, because these all operate together, that asava of views cooperates with the asava of becoming and the search for being something completed or finite or knowledgeable or steady or stable or calm or composed or bright or wrong or succeed, any of that. that well, if you find a view will get you there, the right view the right un- will get you there, the right opinion will get you there, the right add up the dots you'll get there get the thinking straight and you'll get there. And, well, just pause, don't try to be all together. You know, just pause on that one. Mm, Because it isn't together. It's just factors, the whole view, these are energies, thoughts moving, shifting, changing, running. And how is this? And what is it that can know that? I've stepped in, I've seen something has shifted to a place where that can be seen or known. I Don't know what that is, but call it disengagement. And as that process comes into play this engagement, you're going to feel something I'll call embodiment. And I'll also call it intelligence. And feel chitta, that which is affected. That which is affected. And there are only two affective senses one is the mental sense, the body sense, and they're really synonymous. So what is felt is felt, and I'll I'll say, felt it in the body, which could be just the nervous energy. It could be a a sense of becoming tighter or looser. It it could be a sense of becoming more grounded or spinning. It could be a sense of having a lot of space or no space. It could be a sense of being rushed forward or standing still. Those are all embodied senses. Because the only thing that can move forward is a body. Mm. Eyes can't do it, the visual sense. It's the body that moves forward. So in a way, when we say, I'm, I'm leaping, I'm jumping to a conclusion, that's exactly what you're doing. <laughs> the, the embodiment, <laughs> cathects. it jumps, <laughs> yeah. But because it's not moving your limbs around, you don't really recognize it, but it's it's something jumps, it's a nervous system jump, it's an embodied sense jumps. If it doesn't jump, then you experience something else, the body just as a simple presence. Hmm. So, So careful attention takes you back to that primary intelligence, it's just stepping back could be right, could be wrong, maybe worthwhile, maybe not worthwhile. Just pause and how is this? And you step back. Stress. Hmm. Or it might not be. It might be. Uh, but anything that's forming it, you know, you follow the track of that. Any of those patterns, those thought patterns that. The degree to which they firm up, I am this, I am not that, they will be associated with stress. Anything that firms up, he is that, she is that, she never was this, he always was that, is going to to be associated with stress. Let me check it out. It doesn't mean that one can't assess, mm, this feels unskillful. This is associated with greed or anger or contempt or scorn or dismissiveness or brutality or, you know, or warm-heartedness or generosity or joyfulness. You can assess you're assessing factors And the response must come as what is necessary now or what's not needed now. What's not needed is more like contracting. Mm -hmm. What is needed, what is helpful. That which supports one's faith, one's skillfulness. And it will come. So one of the themes I'd recommend in cultivating Yoni Sikara is to not have an an answer. Wait for it to come, and it will come from this, I'm calling it embodied intelligence, awakened intelligence. You'll get a gut level, a gut sense of intuitive, tentative. Hmm, This doesn't feel right. No, this is not, um, um, I don't know what to do, just just wait, relax, that's what to do, (laughs) relax, find your strength, wait for it to rise, wait for it to tell you. Wait for your heart to open. Mm, Follow that. So the embodiment gives one the ground of what I'm calling presence. You come back to that and it's like just rock back. Sit on that for a while. Any kind of action what to do hmm, begins, has to begin with heart, because that's the that's the responsive aspect. It doesn't got a strategy, but the heart will come up with something like a quality of coolness may arise, a quality of compassion may arise, a quality of patience may arise, we just have to bear with this for a while a quality of eagerness may arrive. I really feel, yeah, this is what's right for me. I don't know what, what it is, but it's a sense of a rising energy. Mm. Or a sense of you just have to rest back now. You're not, you're risen. Mm. So, you know, and these heart responses sometimes don't seem very effective, you know, because they're not strategies. But again, it's a growing thing. You rest in that. And your careful attention is just exactly that. You've deepened into something, you know. And you have to wait for it to speak. And, and you have to follow its murmuring voices that you don't quite understand. But it's got a different pace and a rhythm to it. It's, it's a growing, swelling, rather than a flashing Jumping thing it doesn't jump, it rises. It's a dawning thing, it rises, and it doesn't suddenly flash into brilliant daylight or floodlights, it rises softly. Mm. The quality of deep attention is both deep and as it comes from a depth place rather than the superficial, immediate scattering of, of con- jumping to conclusions. It's also, you could say, its primary responsiveness will come into a heartful, therefore it's, a, you could say it's a caring attention. It's also holistic and it gets the whole whole, let me get the whole picture now. Within this whole matrix of experience, what is, what could be abandoned? put aside. Maybe the rush to find an answer could be put aside. Maybe the need to get it right could be put aside. Maybe the sense of having a conclusion could be put aside. Mm. Maybe the frustration could be just released a little bit, a bit of patience. Mm. What then? Clearing. Clearing clearing and then what is helpful? Wait, Mm. give it time, come softly, this is something to be cultivated, needs to be cultivated. Um. So instead of that rushing into self and other, there's a sense of what's the potentials in the field? It kinda sounds a bit abstract. You know, but the, f- the kind of interesting or rather disappointing <laughs> in some ways thing is that this quality of careful attention was uh, seemingly much more you know, available for people who were less literate and less 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 wordy, particularly less written word, people who don't read and write, got a lot more careful attention. They have to check things out. And, you know, which way, you're in a forest, which way? No map. Mm. Mm, check them out, where do the animals go? Mm, which side's the moss on the tree? Where does the sun come up? Where's that scent in the breeze? What's that? Can I hear the sound of running water? And check it out. Yeah. And deep attention. You know, that, that was that was their guide, attending carefully to the whole thing, and to the levels that phew, we would we would actually find inc- in, literally incredible. Yeah, yeah, the spirits. Yeah, there's something dark force over there. Yeah, I feel a sense of good energy over there, and we think, uh-huh, crazy. Of course, everybody doesn't follow my ways. Crazy. <laughs> and you know, it, you know, but how? But yeah, you know, because careful attention, and it's attention to the whole and listening to the whole, listening to the field, speaking to the field, listening to the field, bringing your wholeness into the field, often singing to it. Mm. I was reading this uh, account of the Aboriginal elders and the way they, they, their maps across this vast and often pretty hostile terrain of Australia is, is is remembered songs. They sing, they sing, they sing the land. As they walk through a land, they sing, there is anthill, there is great lizard. Uh, after five, ste- after, you know, the heat of the day, great mountain arises. You know, things like this. They sing it. They sing it. They sing it turn towards, you know, kangaroo mountain, water is there. They sing it and they remember it and they, they sing it to each other. So they can sing entire maps of the land and they sing it as they walk through it. So it becomes embodied. They really don't sense the body as something distinct from the land. It's actually an organ that's perceiving the land, listening to the land and expressing the land through song which is the embodied voice, is there. So as they walk, they'll sing, and they'll get together, and let's sing the route to this land, and they'll, the tribe will get together, and they'll sing that. So if somebody gets it wrong, they get they get entrained to the correct way. And, uh, yeah. and they could sing huge journeys, mm. so that when they're out in the wilderness, well, where we'd be dead, <laughs> Absolutely confused, dead, frightened. they're just they know where they are. Carefully, tension and attention that's that's through this feedback. Uh, and this again is a very uh, important thing to 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 establish. Mm. Now, you know the Aboriginal elder generally sings at the rate of walking because they entrain through walking. so, the anecdote that, that was given to you is this person was driving an Aboriginal elder through the countryside at, say, 20 miles an hour, and the song was going faster and faster. <laughs> <laughs> his song was feeding up because the land pulled it out of him. As the land sped by, it pulled out. <laughs> because his body wasn't separate from the land. It <laughs> they slowed the car down, the land slowed down, it, 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 his voice slowed down. Like there wasn't really a boundary, <laughs> yeah. And so, and such people, you know. And then the tragedy: these people are then uprooted from their land, and told they've got to wear these clothes and go to these schools and speak this language. And their land is taken, and their their body is taken. It's like a living abortion. Yeah. And this is the Aboriginal peoples throughout the world, you know, had that. They didn't see the land as a possession, it's just part of what what we are. You know, and we, we speak to it, and it speaks to us. You know, and the literate thing has got all black and white, and pages that don't speak, and nothing, dead and as that process continues it's internalized we have a dead relationship to our own voice our own sounds our own thoughts just a frozen blind obedience blind repression no call and response no sounding and hearing it's just all sounding gibbering jabbering (laughs) there's no listening there's no response apart from more. Right, wrong. You know, it's only this, this, this dysfunctional, diseased reactivity. You know, that's that's gets in. Mm. Careful attention is just starting to try to leave a, some of that open. Mm. There's another function of it, the way we process it. It has to it has to be something like call and response. Yeah. There's the sound of your thought. And instead of just the rushing along with that, there's the, how is this? How is this in the wholeness? How is this affecting? Not saying right or wrong, just how is this affecting? And then, what's the response? What's the response? To be learned, because again, for a person who has been acculturated to, out of careful attention, who's been climate out, 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 beyond, not with careful attention, it's it's quite numb. you're quite one gets quite numb to that. Yeah, you, know? you don't read the wind. You don't, you know, you don't sing <laughs> to the tree, <laughs> and you don't hear it sing back. And similarly. One doesn't respond to to this, this in this being. One react. There's a reaction of becoming, opinionatedness, ignorance, yeah, adherence. I oh, am. Yeah. So in this responsiveness, you know, there's that sense of however it's speaking, however it's talking. Can there be the listening and the listening that's grounded in presence? Mm. And the simple question might be what, what is not helpful now? And the question is applied not to the thought, but to that grounded intelligence, which has become Rather numb. So you don't immediately get it. So you have to say things like Would you like more of this or less of it? Oh, I think I'd like less. Okay. Would you like more judgment, more assessment, more complaining or less? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I'd like less. Okay, we're getting there. <laughs> Would you like more speed, faster, faster, or less? I think I'd like less, okay. <laughs> uh, would you like more self-definition <laughs> or less? Uh, it may sound confusing, but I think I'd like to less. I'd like to know myself less because <laughs> it feels less stressful. Okay, that's what's not needed. Can you just start to incline that way and trust the opening, trust the opening, because when that ceases, with the ceasing of this, the ceasing of that, and the arising of this, the arising of the coming forth of this. There's something subtler, curious, perhaps unusual. It's intuitive. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe don't feel like doing much at all, actually, just sitting, you know, standing here. Sitting here, that's unusual. May I feel well? I really need to feel well, to feel comfortable in myself. Oh, you know, response. First response has to be, for any fear to be heart at all, for there to be heart at all. There has to be that primary response is, let me protect, shelter, be for the welfare of this. Otherwise, it's it's not a response. Mm. And it doesn't mean we approve or disapprove. that's secondary, but just the first response has to be, you know, a kind of meta that's hardly hardly not almost not, delib- not deliberate but intuitive, something of a generosity of spirit.' a mm. mm. so good friend endures what's difficult to endure, doesn't give up on you, doesn't trash you. Gives. Mm. If this is engendered, this touch, if this response, this is why it's worth pausing, opening, bearing with, to get that response for the the good friend arise because when this does arise, it can only grow in skillfulness because its whole inclination is mm, just to embrace more and more. Mm. One's own pain, the pain of others, and so on. So from the micro cosmos, there's a possibility of this healing of the nation. Mm. And we don't, can't, know, don't know, but know the alternative is too wretched to conceive of. And you sense that in your own innermost sphere. You know. It's not that you have to practice goodwill, but why keep practicing ill will? Why keep practicing embarrassment, inadequacy, impotence, frustration, mm. reactivity, tragedy, despair, complaining, criticizing. Mm. This is the dis-ease. So when we step back to the whole, whole, then there's a understanding. This is suffering, or this is the ceasing of it. This leads to the ceasing of it. This leads to the origin of it. And this is the path. Mm. And it's, obviously it has to be written down in words but uh, it's much more a heartful sense and uh, as this is accomplished then that tendency to, f- to keep forming or trying to form you know a, a kind of a personality as a fundamental entity you know this there's, there's personhood it arises it shifts it changes it's It's our vehicle, it's not a fortress, it's not an impregnable castle, it's not a trophy, you know, it's not a, it's just a person. (laughs) It's just a, you know, it doesn't have to be that great. So that leaning and that pressure and that gripping can stop personality view, doubt, the constant, or the belief in disorientation, in other words, the belief in thought as a fundamental reality, this is doubt. Because it takes you away from where true knowledge is. Adherence to just systematization. You know, customs, rituals. You can think of this as, you know, religious rituals, but something much more universal than that. It's a systematization. In which we've become so inducted. The rights and wrongs. Systems and structures. And the feeling that this will actually make you secure. It makes you frightened. Frightened of what the system will do if you go against it. (laughs) Or intolerant to people who are not following your system. This is suffering. So, you know, in retreat, we even contemplate our systems of practice making sure they don't become tyrannies whereby if you f- can't get it right you immediately beat yourself up or you adhere to it thinking this will get you to something become something and then you can use these practices appropriately, skillfully with careful attention wisely like, use this one, use that one see how it shapes up and another person does it a different way, good. <laughs> mm. Because all the systems are really, have to, can only keep being regenerated from intelligence. So it, you know, it's in, internalizing this intelligence, deeply internalizing it, and then the systems can be softened and gen- regenerated rather than ossified. And we can then tweak and adjust and manifest it in in ways that are coherent and have a wider quality of embrace. Mm, So practicing mm, call and response. into thought, to those rushes of reactivity. How is this? Hmm? So just establish a relationship to uh, these uh, embedded currents. Just establish a relationship first of all. Pause, and let a different relationship begin to arise.